Welcome to the Mom Docs Podcast. We are three chiropractors on a mission to empower moms and dads to intentionally choose health for their kids and families, to provide core principles to raise their families holistically, and to help parents take an active role in their family's health. Our goal is to provide families a philosophical approach to healthcare that steps away from the conventional and supports true health. Welcome back. Today we are talking about 10 tips or tricks that we have personally found and integrated into our lives and figured out was working with literally tens of thousands of patients, the easier way to make living a a healthy lifestyle and a holistic lifestyle, how to integrate that into your family more simply. So today we're giving you 10 tips or tricks in absolutely no particular order and we hope to make this a recurring segment but um, we just want to give you quickly here's 10 things that we think that you could do to make living this lifestyle easier for you and for your family so we're gonna hit the ground running with um, tip number one and there are two words that i think every mom should know especially for early mornings and the two words for tip number one are banana pancakes and I, yum, yum, I'm, yum. I'm hoping that you ladies do this for your kids too and odds are i learned it from one of you um but banana pancakes and here's what i mean by this this is not like the fancy gourmet pancakes that like you slave over all morning and then you slice up perfectly you know symmetrical pancakes or perfectly symmetrical banana slices and you put them on top and you like this is the world's easiest and healthiest pancakes on the planet so simple to make all you do is you take the two ingredients that are in the title banana and pancakes, you mix them together, you make them on a frying pan, just like you would a regular pancake. They're delicious, they're simple. The ratios for this that we do for our family, um, we do two eggs to one banana. And uh, you know, level 201 technique is you take the banana first, a ripe banana, you mash it up, get it like nice and smooth and creamy with a fork in a bowl, mix it up, and then you whisk in two eggs to it. You don't have to get fancy with this. You don't need to add cinnamon or vanilla or nutmeg or any of those fancy things, just literally two eggs, one banana, mix it up, and then some coconut oil on a healthy nonstick frying pan or a cast iron pan. Um, flip them. You can make these uh, easily the night before. You can store them easily. If, if we're taking an airplane ride early in the morning, I'll make them the night before. We'll put them in Ziploc baggies for the flight the next morning. They travel easy. They store easy, and they're super um, and they're yummy. Like, have your have your kids ever eaten banana pancakes? Yes, we make them I all the time. And another tip that I have is after, if I make a whole bunch of them at once, I'll put them in the freezer, and then all you have to do. Other times is just grab it out, put it in the toaster, and then there you have it. Okay. I'm like, you know, I have four kids and I've never done this. So Ah, you're taking notes. (laughs) Yes, all boats rise when we ladies come together. Okay. Number two, and we shared this one on our Instagram page, but for those of you that are not following along yet, please follow us at the mom docs on Instagram. This is a tip for meal prep for the week. And um, I am like full disclosure, not great when it comes in the kitchen, not great at planning the head. I think the two of you probably excel at that much better than me. But one thing that we do to make our lives easier in our family is I will take three pounds, sometimes more depending on how our weeks are going to um, pan out of ground beef and I will brown it first thing for the week. And I'll just add salt and maybe a little bit of garlic salt to it. 
keep it pretty bland, but it makes dinners so much easier. So then it's very easy for me to, on Tuesday nights when we do Taco Tuesday, the meat is already prepped. All I have to do is heat it up, add some cumin and chili powder to it, and now we have taco meat. Or on Wednesday, when it's spaghetti night, we will take some tolerant pasta, red, red lentil bean noodles. All I have to do is make the noodles, throw the beef on top of the already warm noodles, add some sauce, and we're done. So tip number two is if you pre-make your meat and a large amount of it, because the more kids you have and the hungrier your husbands get, the quick. I remember like the first time we made like a pound of ground beef and we're like, oh crap, our kids eat a lot now. Like we didn't get any. There it went. Like, no leftovers. No, they're not babies anymore. They're not just eating our scraps. They actually need, we need to account for what they're going to eat. So however many pounds of ground beef or chicken breasts that you need to make at the beginning of the week, I really think that that simple thing of having, if you're a meat-eating family, having your ground beef, having your um, organic chicken prepped at the beginning of the week, and then you can easily make um, some quick throw-together recipes as the week goes on. And Natalie, Dr. Natalie, you're super good at meal planning, so I'm looking forward to learning from you for our tip number three. Yeah, so talking yeah. about meal planning, I typically, I'm not the most organized person ever. I fly by the seat of my pants, especially when it comes to being in the kitchen, but this is an area that if you want to feed your family well, you've got to figure out a plan, you know, and something that has really worked well for us because each each night of the week is different. Sometimes like three days a week, we're working late. We don't get home until 630. So the kids need food before that. So oftentimes, you know, fail to plan, plan to fail. We all know that. So if we don't know what we're having for dinner that night, that's when you reach for the more unhealthy things that you may have you know, hanging out in the freezer that are easy to, to throw in. So um, here's what I've done. And it literally, you just have to do it once. So I sit down, I try to do this yearly because it changes, but sit down and just make a list of like your family's top, like healthy meals that your, your whole family will eat. So tacos is obviously a, a common one in our house too. But what I do is I made a list and you just make four separate weeks. I'm going to try and explain this easy, but I make a four week meal plan. So each week I plan four to five like family meals that we'll be eating for dinner. And so you pick, you, I write a list of like 25 different meals. So let's say you'd only need 20 for a four week plan. So write down your family's top 20 meals and then separate them into four weeks. So you have um, four to five meals per week. And then I make, so I have week one, here's our five meals that we're going to eat that week. And then here's the week one grocery shopping list of exactly what we would need for those five meals. And you do that for each week. So then if it's week two and like this, this happened this weekend, we were gone for the weekend. I got home on Sunday. I didn't have time to go to the store or whatnot. Like I have, it's, oh, it's week two. So I can send like the week two, you know, list to our nanny and she can go to the grocery store today. And these are the five meals that we're making on, on week two. And when you think about it, like, you know, if I have tacos this, this month, I'm ready to have tacos again next month. So we literally just repeat those four weeks over and over and over. And it works really well organizational wise. And then you know, so that's the grocery shopping list for that week. And then you just have to add on okay, what do we need for the kids' lunches? Or, you know, do we need what do we need for extra fruit and vegetables to have around for making salads or, you know, breakfast and lunch, you know, smoothies. Those are kind of the standard things. We need eggs this week. Like that just gets added on to that week two list. But if you struggle with meal planning, don't put yourself through the agony of 
trying to sit down every single week and plan it all out. If you just sit down for one hour once and make a four week meal plan and then break it up into week one, two, three, and four, and just keep repeating those, that has really saved us. Okay. I'm taking notes. Erin, yeah. do you meal plan like that? Uh, in theory, <laughs> my biggest thing is like sticking to that. And we, we've gotten really good about like only going to the store one time. And so if I don't have a plan, like that just never works. So, I mean, that's, that's huge because it saves me time when I do follow that plan. But Natalie, you've got it down. And I I don't plan for the weekends by Saturday night. Like I'm not cooking. Nobody's cooking. We're usually, that's the night that we go out to eat. Okay. That's good to hear. All right. So I'm going to jump right into my, um, my biggest probably tip for kids to eat more veggies. And this is hard. And I've seen this like evolve, you know, cause I have a nine-year-old and now I, you know, I have a one-year-old. So it definitely has evolved over the last nine years, but um, picking a couple different veggies a week. So not like throwing a ton of veggies at them, you know, all at once every single day, um, but really getting some variety in there. So really picking two, and this is something that I've learned. I think this was something you brought up, Natalie, um, but picking two or three veggies and have them be like different colors or whatever it is. And then we just eat those that week. And that makes it really simple. And the kids kind of know. And what what's really helped us is uh, my husband and I will sit down at the dinner table and we'll say, okay, well, what is this cucumber good for? You know, what does it do for your health? And we'll focus on on those two things that week. And we'll have each kid, you know, whether it's like lunch or dinner, talk about what that vegetable is doing for their bodies. Um, so that's kind of cool. And it gets you to kind of research and, and look into that. Um, and then obviously, like trying to stay in season. Um, so Natalie, I like how yours, you know, you're on like a four week plan because things change seasonally. And we definitely want to be eating in as in season as we can. So that's that's been really helpful. I've also found that in in regards to that, like they pick their vegetables and I just try so hard not to get soup. It gets served to them. And I just try to get not hung up on if they don't eat it, they don't eat it, but it still gets served to them. It's still placed in front of them. And we all know our children will go through phases of vetoing, but, um, and I think I stole this from someone else. So I won't take credit for this, but I have no idea who I got it from. But the mantra that I like play in my head in regards to this when my kids are just driving me absolutely nuts. Like I put all this work into putting like fresh, organic, local foods in front of them and they just won't freaking eat it. Uh I just, I tell myself, I say the fastest way to get them or the the best way to ensure that they will stop eating vegetables is to stop serving them. So I'm just going to keep putting them in front of them because the only way that I can guarantee them to not eat vegetables is if I stop placing it in front of them. So whether they veto sweet potatoes for two days or six weeks, I'm still going to put sweet potatoes out when we're putting sweet potatoes out because that's one of our two vegetables and that's just what we're having. And I found that to be, that's taken a lot of pressure off me as a mom. Of yeah. It's not my responsibility for them to eat it, but it is my responsibility and my job to place it in front of them and to give them an opportunity and to educate them and to talk to them. And, you know, one day they magically wake up and I don't know, they woke up on the other side of the bed and sure enough, sweet potatoes are back on the, back on the radar. Like, okay, here we go. We've gone through that with eggs. Same thing. Um, We have a, one of our daughters is, is really about control. So something that has helped us in that arena is she gets to choose one vegetable that she's not going to eat that week. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, she's like this week, I don't want zucchini. Perfect. So when I serve broccoli and you start to be like, I don't want to eat that. It's like, oh no, remember like your one vegetable that you chose not to have this week was zucchini, right? So if I can put the decision-making in their hands, something about that just like 
clears it up. Yeah, and giving them control good. for sure. Like they feel like they're in control of that a little yeah. bit. Yes, good. Super good. So let's so, shift. Yeah, let's shift from nutrition into just a, a, a totally different arena. Let's talk about how to get our family moving together with tip number five. Yes. Yeah, so. Tip number five, um, getting your doing family workouts. This is something that especially as kids are back in school and you know, a lot of parents are still even working from home. I think this is something that's super easy, but super effective that you can add into your lifestyle. We started doing this this summer and it just happens to work out for us on Saturday mornings instead of, you know, letting our kids lay around and watch TV or whatnot. Um, we get up on Saturday mornings and we do a family workout. And there is something that's been so fun to see about this. Like when our kids, especially for some reason, like when they see their dad doing push-ups, like they want to do it with them. And all of a sudden, like doing a push-up seems cool. And am I strong enough to do a push-up? So we keep this super simple and relaxed. Um, you know, if it's outside, like we have done like family workout where we will see how many times we can run up the hill in our backyard because it's huge, you know, and we'll bring the kids with us. And when they get tired, then we'll put them on our backs and we'll run up and down with them. And we make it fun, you know, whether it's jumping jacks or a workout in your living room, you know, it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be extensive, but 15 minutes. Another fun thing, we just did a simple obstacle course in our yard where it was like run up and down the stairs and then run up the hill and then run over here and, and do jumping jacks here, like making it like a circuit workout, but making it fun for your kids. And I think the importance of this is, number one, that they see you working out. And if you're doing it, then they naturally value it more. And number two, just like getting them involved, getting them moving and getting them to just experience that feeling of how exercise makes them feel. If we, we've noticed that if we miss a Saturday, everyone, like when we do family workout Saturday morning, everyone's attitude is different the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. um, you know, everybody's happier when you work out, you crave healthier food. And it's more also like become like a family bonding time, you know, for us too. I know Dr. Aaron, like you guys are really great. You know, I see photos of you guys working out with your kids. Um, so awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we, I mean, we just make it like a family thing. That's just how we like to spend time on the weekends. And, um, you know, I think the kids just, just really, like you said, like when they see us doing it, they think it's fun and they want to do it too. And I'll give encouragement, like the first, you know, 17 times you do it, it might be a nightmare, but yeah. just like, just stick with it and be yeah. less attached to your workout and more attached to the experience with your children. And over totally. time, you'll see these sweet little bodies will start moving alongside you. They'll start asking better questions and then you can incorporate into your lifestyle. You know, when they say, hey, mom, are you strong enough to carry all three of us up to the bathtub? Then you can use that as an opportunity to say, hey, this is why I work out. You guys see me work out. I work out so I'm strong enough to carry three kids up two flights of stairs to a bathtub at night. So let's talk about So Saturday morning workouts. I love that. We often run into Saturday birthday parties. So let's okay. talk about tip number six, how to navigate the Saturday afternoon birthday parties with, you know, the season of life that we're in. Yes. So I guess maybe these are pre-COVID parties. I mean, uh, <laughs> we're looking a little bit different now. Um, but in terms of like, if you're hosting a birthday party, great. Like you're in control of, you know, the food that you're serving and you have to, you know, probably cater to the fact that a lot of the kids that are coming probably aren't used to eating healthy. <laughs> I mean, I've definitely made that mistake where I'll serve like a cake that has hardly <laughs> like sweeter in it. And kids are like, 
spitting it out on my table. <laughs> I've done that too. <laughs> It's like, where's the candy? Where's the sweets? Um, so you definitely like this. Is, this is definitely, you know, one of those things where you have to find a happy medium, you know, so you're going to be serving things that you probably normally don't. Um, but there's there's not a reason why you can't make it more of a healthy event for your kids and for their friends. Um, so I always like make my own cake. I'll do it from scratch. I'll just try to find like a keto cake. Um, and usually they're not like that labor intensive. I don't know what you guys do. Um, I've also done like the namaste, just, you know, they still have some sugar in it. Um, but just like the cake mix, if I'm in a pinch and as I have more and more children, like <laughs> I find myself looking for convenience more and more. Um, but I have found like keto frosting, even that has no sugar, it's sweetened with monk fruit. Use, uses coconut oil because I used to make all those myself and now I feel like it's more readily available to find those pre-made in a health food store. I um, use the Simple Mills brand, same yeah, thing. Yeah, because yeah, they have like keto, keto flour and stuff. Um, but then on the flip side, like my kids see all the work that I put into it and I explain to them, you know, what goes into that. And then they also then go to a, a friend's birthday party. And I think the way they've grown up, like they kind of just assume that all parents do that because that's all they've ever known. <laughs> but I have to explain like, no, look, like what you're getting over, you know, at this party is probably going to be artificial colors, artificial flavors, you know, just I don't want them to feel ostracized and feel like they need to say no. But I also want them to understand, like, you know, go into it with a mindset of having fun, not not leaving yourself out of anything, but also understanding, like, maybe don't have too much of that. I don't know. This is one that I still struggle with. So I don't know if you guys have any tips for that. Yeah, I'm just getting into this uh, arena as the kids are now like we have always done like family birthday parties and I've used like the simple meals, like made a healthy cake and serve like a normal meal that we would, you know, any other time of the year. Um, so I, I do the same thing, like educating them, you know, like, hey, if you're going to have a, you know, a piece of cake, you know, just walking through like, you know, smaller, smaller is better. And it actually worked out perfect. The first birthday party that our daughter ever went to, she had cake and she had a stomach ache. Like she oh. came home and she was like, I don't feel good. And, you know, cause it was in that moment of like, okay, you don't want them to feel left out and be the oddball. So, you know, okay, let's just, you know, have a small piece of cake. And she did, and she didn't feel good. So we did talk about that. It was a great learning experience that we talked through, like, why don't you think you feel good? And she's like, it was probably all the sugar that I ate, you know? Yeah. And it's like, so what can we learn from that is next time, like fill up on, on more of the good stuff, you know, the healthier things and then have a bite or two, but maybe we don't need to finish the whole piece, you know? Yeah. I think it's so important that we don't like, feel like failures as parents when our children do that. Like one time eating cake or 10 times eating cake at a conventional birthday, you know, like the public mm -hmm. cake or the groceries, it's not going to kill our children. And yeah. I think we have to remind ourselves that, yes, this is why 90% of the time in our homes, we have control over the food that we eat and they have a healthy baseline so they can go have these experiences. And then we, our job is not to prevent them from doing that. Our job is to help them learn through it so they can make better choices as, as they continue to make, because they're going to be the ones in control of their nutrition one day, which is why I love um, our top 10 tip number seven, which is not to reward your children with food. And I know, Natalie, you have some opinions about this. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. So this was something that we, we, we learned the hard way that we, we made the mistake first and that it started when we started potty training our kids. And just as an example, like our last, um, 
our third child, Henry, when we potty trained him, it was like, hey, so um, if you go to the bathroom, I'm sure you guys have all done this. If you this, so we have learned like we have got to stop rewarding our kids with food and um you know because it turned into okay if you go to the bathroom then you'll get gum and now it's like constant it's henry's like okay if i get dressed then i get gum if i do this then i'll get that and i think i think something huge here especially as we're like you know to, to top off the birthday party conversation is this has to have come from like how we were, like how we grew up also, but we really, as a society, as a culture, we make a big deal out of treats and we make a big deal out of food. And I found ourselves doing this in the past that we would go up to my, you know, go up to a cabin in the summer and it was like, oh, and you know, we get to have an ice cream cone and you know, like you, you start to treat and even ourselves like, oh, birthdays and birthday cake and, you know, Christmas cookies. And we really celebrate with treats and with food. And I think the more that we can be almost just like nonchalant about it, that, you know, and stop making such a big deal out of it ourselves, I think can really help them long-term to have healthier healthier habits. So they don't, don't turn into, you know, an adolescent and an adult who feels like, oh, I did something good. I aced that test. So now I should, I should get an ice cream cone or I should get a treat because I did something good. Okay. So we're going to take a 180 off nutrition and go to something completely different, um, which I feel we will in the future be able to devote entire entire episodes to this, but let's talk about the importance of EMF protection, protection, for our families, for ourselves, and particularly our developing children, the importance of, you know, protecting them against the, you know, uh, signals that come from Wi-Fi, that come from 5G towers. We'll give you a couple just simple things that we do, but this really is an area that I feel like we shouldn't ignore when it comes to toxicity and the neurodevelopment of our children. Absolutely. I don't know where if you guys live like more urban and you're like you have neighbors where you're like actually able to pick up their Wi-Fi, you know, you can at least see it, you know, as an option on your computer or your phone. So that will tell you, you know, if you're within that like frequency of their Wi-Fi. And I got I had this aha moment when I went to my computer to like pick our Wi-Fi network and I had like 10 different options between all of the people that were living around us in our town. And it was like all full bars, which means that we're just getting this constant um, radiation from, from Wi-Fi. And it just, it made me like cringe because even if we turn off our Wi-Fi at night, which we do regularly, I just don't want my kids that close to it all night long, especially during sleep when we're supposed to be healing. You should move to a place where there's a little bit more Wi-Fi though. <laughs> we do there because she doesn't have an internet. Right? I did look up though and there's 21. I just pulled up mine right now and I have, there's 21 uh, options for full bar internet where I'm sitting right now in my clinic. Um, so there are there, this is becoming a thing. So it is becoming more readily available. You can, um, I'm actually literally wearing a, a quantum science necklace, which is just like lava and earth stones that are supposed to help neutralize some of the radiation and frequency. Um, LR, uh, L2R, um, or sorry, R2L radiation to light is another thing that helps take some of the radiation, changes it into a light frequency. Um, there's the, what are those little ones that Dr. Healy recommends? They almost look like a little candy on the front of your phone. 
anyhow, we can link some, we can do a post on this on our Instagram page, but there are, there are, um, especially natural stones. There's lots of options, things you can put on your computers. I think this is another one of those, like minimize and control what you can control. A super simple thing, just the simple act of putting your personal Wi-Fi and your home on a Christmas timer that turns off at 11 o'clock every night and turns back on at six o'clock the next morning. That alone is just a very simple thing that you can do. This is about minimizing the exposure because you're not going to be able to completely eliminate it and control it unless you are um, Aaron's housing and, and move to the, to the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I want to add to that too. Like even like we can, and again, we can post this on, um, we can make a follow-up post, but like a, a protective case for your phone, you know, again, mm -hmm. that helps to minimize things. And we've actually had someone come out, like you can have someone come out and like actually test your home um, with the EMF, uh, meter and one that was a big one that I think is important for us as you know parents and moms to hear is um, baby monitors was a really like the video like the Wi-Fi connected baby monitors when you think about that like that's sitting in your your kid's room with them all night that I think is just a source we went back and got the old school like radio no video monitor so that's something that you should be aware of too yeah Okay, first aid alternatives. Let's talk number nine of our 10 tips or tricks to transitioning or more easily living a holistic lifestyle. Let's talk about what do we do for first aid while living this lifestyle. And this is probably one of the biggest questions that I get from our patients. You know, what do I do if I have a headache? Or what do I do if my kid has a, a really bad cut? Like they, or they fell off their bike and they, you know, what do I put on there? Do I put like Neosporin or, you know, all the things that I feel like I grew up with. I've now realized a lot of these are not actually going to be great for my body. Um, my body is really powerful in terms of healing and my kids understand that. And so I don't want them to start using like band-aids and essential oils and things as like, this is what's healing me. I want them to first understand like, hey, this is an owie and your body knows how to deal with it, but we want to keep it clean and we want to keep you comfortable. Um, so, you know, our, our son was like uh, racing down our driveway. We have this huge, long gravel driveway. It's kind of downhill and he fell off his bike and really skinned his knee. And so what you can do is just get it clean with just soap and water, get some coconut oil on it, get aloe vera, um, anything that's open that you want to cover, you know, just get a simple Band-Aid and you can use essential oils if you want to, not directly on the cut, but just kind of dilute it into coconut oil just to keep it clean. And then just make sure, you know, that you're changing that frequently so that we don't get any infection and just monitor them. Um, you probably have like that that internal gut feeling, like if it's an emergency or if it's something that, you know, the body's going to take care of on its own. There was a point I always wondered, like, what at what point is this going to be an emergency where I have to take my kid to the ER? Mm -hmm. uh, it's like that fine line. And we did have a point where my daughter slipped and fell on some glass and it got lodged in her hand and it was like gushing blood. And I knew at that point, just seeing how much blood was coming out of that, <laughs> I knew we had to go get some help. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, usually you're going to have that moment where you're like, yeah, let's, let's go. We need some emergency medicine at this point, but you know, we utilize doTERRA essential oils. I don't use those overly. Um, I just use them minimally, you know, when needed to like control, you know, if it's like a bacterial infection that I'm worried about, cause those are naturally antimicrobial aloe vera. I put in everything arnica. That's a good one. Um, what do you guys do? 
I, we keep on, we're, we're the same as you. Like I'm a very much a less is more. And I want my children to understand that if you're feeling pain, it has a purpose, yeah. you know, but I'm not also, you know, out there to make my children suffer unnecessarily. But I do want to make sure that they understand the philosophy behind using an oil or using something like an Arnica tablet. Um, so we're, we're, we're right aligned. And I just want to encourage moms that are listening that I really, you really will know if it's an emergency. You know, and everyone's emergency is different. But when your child gets injured, don't feel like, oh, I don't know. I don't know how to prepare for that. I don't know if I'll know if you will know if it's an emergency and then you'll know to take the appropriate actions. And you'll also know when it's like, you know what, this is this great. My daughter just recently um, fell on her face, face first off the back of the couch and her tooth kind of jammed backwards and it was all bloody. And of course, I was four hours away. Natalie's sister happens to be a dentist, so I sent her pictures. And it really, it came down to if she is not in pain, it's not an emergency. The only thing that would create this to be an emergent situation would be based on her pain. And so that was the first and only time that the Arnica tablets, which there's tons of homeopathic things readily available, that was the first and only time that she's ever had one. And it was like, hey, to the nanny, just put an Arnica tablet under her tongue and let's see if that helps her with some pain relief and gets you guys through the night and we'll be back tomorrow and we'll go to the dentist. So it's very simple to Google like natural remedies for right. fill in the blank yeah. and use your common sense on if it makes sense to you. Um, let's talk on tip number 10, how we comfort our children when they aren't feeling well. Yeah. So, I mean, everybody's kids get sick. I mean, that's just something we can expect because that's a normal. I remember in a previous episode, Sarah, you were talking about how it's necessary for immune development for our kids to um, develop you know, infections, viral infections, bacterial infections, and it strengthens their immune systems. Um, The last thing that I want to do as a parent is interfere with what the body's trying to do in those moments. So I want to monitor them. You know, we have a lot of patients that come to me and say, you know, well, how do I know if a fever is an emergency? Well, I never ever have tried to reduce a fever in my child because I know that that fever is probably the best thing that they have going for them. Um, if they're, you know, fighting an infection. And so number one, I never, ever have given a fever reducer. Um, I, that would have to be something that, um, you know, a pediatrician would have to recommend on a, like a severe basis where that's necessary. Um, but even still, like our bodies have like innate mechanisms to, you know, break the fever if necessary to prevent, you know, any sort of damage in, in the body. And we'll see that in like febrile seizures. And that's not necessarily something that's always a bad thing. Um, But in terms of like keeping them comfortable, like if my kids have a temperature, um, we just load them up with blankets. We help them sweat it out and just like facilitate and just, you know, comfort them as much as we can, but really just help give the body what it needs to do what it needs to do. Um, In terms of like throwing up, you know, that happens every single year. I've got four kids and it usually goes through all of them. Um, and it's just keeping them comfortable again, like minimizing the amount that they're eating and drinking, but I make sure to keep them hydrated as much as I can. And I've never given like an anti-emetic where I'm preventing their body from throwing up because it's doing that for a reason. And I want to support that. Um, but then, you know, just make sure that you're not like overwhelming their bodies with giving them too much of anything, including water. Mm -hmm. I think something that as parents, like we, I hear that often. It's like, okay, my kid has this. What can I do for them? Like, as parents, we just want to help them. Like, it's hard for us to see them in pain and not feeling well. And 
honestly, I think one of the best things that we can be doing is just supporting them emotionally. Like I think about myself being sick, like it's not fun. Like I know it's a necessary process. So, you know, all I really need my husband to do is just like give me extra hugs, right? <laughs> um, rub my back, tell me it's going to be okay. Just a little extra loving, you know? So I think as a parent, I think that's something we can keep in mind is like, that's the most important, like their body knows exactly what to do and when to do it. That as a parent, like giving them emotional support. So I plan, you know, when they're, when they're sick, it's like, okay, I'm spending extra time just holding them and snuggling them and hugging them. And if they aren't sleeping well, then I will sacrifice my sleep and hold them in the rocking chair at night to help support their body and get them through it. But just being their emotional support is one of the best things that, that we can do. I love that. That's the perfect way to end today's show. Thank you so much for joining us as we covered top 10, 10 tips, tricks for living this uh, holistic lifestyle. Thanks for joining us on the Mom Docs podcast. If you enjoyed listening to the show, the greatest compliment you can give us to share this with others and leave us a review on iTunes by subscribing to our podcast. You will be guaranteed to never miss an episode. We will see you next time.